Blog Talk Radio. Here we go. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ after my sister, Marsha Joyce. And we are really excited today. We have Pastor Michael Jones here. We're going to talk about the seven habits of highly effective Christians. And we're going to talk about his uh, Begin to Serve ministry, which really helps the homeless. So good morning and welcome back to MJ Network, finally. <laughs> yes, hi. Good morning, Fran. How are you? Oh, hanging in there slowly. Well, at least it's not <laughs> raining. It's freezing outside, but what can I say? That's wow, New York. We'll yeah, send you some fine Florida weather. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's beautiful outside. It's just cold, but that's okay. You can handle anything. Mm-hmm. So, what was the inspiration behind writing this book? And define for people that are listening. There are people listening. Everybody listen and take out. You know, define the the meaning of seventy, the seven highly effective uh, Christians, the, the seven habits. Explain how you came up with that. Well, um, you know, after reading several different success principles from the Bible, uh, I realized how important it was for us to do some spiritual things consistently. Uh, Just like if we want to get to some place and we have to drive there, we have to be careful but consistent about certain habits. And... When I, when I looked at the fact that we process over 100,000 thoughts a day in, you know, scientific studies, I realized that we have got to get rid of junk thinking and fill it in with um, mindset habits. And that's when I came up with, you know, the, the habit of um, helping others to be successful and spiritual. When we, when we want to do business with someone or an entity, we, we focus on the, um, the things that, that leads us to financial success, uh, and oftentimes it overruns or overtakes the things that we have to do for both financial and, and spiritual success. So the seven habits of highly successful Christians encompasses both those things. And by I find that by incorporating, um, you know, these habits, we attract, um, you know, successful laws, not just for spiritual progress, but also for, you know, financial and relationship building um, success as well. So that's how I arrived at that point. Well, the, one of the questions, a lot of people celebrate the Sabbath, you know, differently. So what are the benefits of the seventh day and keeping the Sabbath, and what is the significance of keeping the Sabbath? Because different religions, you know, different people celebrate it in different days of the week, too. Right. 
Well, it's always a good idea to celebrate God, but, you know, Bible, um, the acronym is, or, or many people have coined or coined the name this way. It says, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. <laughs> and I really love that because God is a very specific creator, and this is what separates him from what we as common man believe is the day he has created specifically for worship. And, you know, he mentions that several times. The Bible mentions that several times. Exodus 20 talks about the fact that this seventh-day Sabbath was um, consecrated by God. It's a day when we should keep it holy and not pollute it by doing ungodly things, like worshiping other gods, worshiping you know, on days when he, he, he wants us to keep it holy. In other words, he wants us to take a break from life. He wants us to take a break from all the, the things that keeps us busy during the week and keeps us away from him because he started out the whole command piece by saying, I'm a jealous God, and he doesn't want us to bow down to any other um, likeness, whether it's in the earth above the I mean, the, the heaven above, the earth below. He wants us to pay full attention to him because that's what he does. He pays full attention to us. He said that I even know how many hairs are on your head. And, you know, that that really struck a very um, interesting nerve with me because when he said, look, guys, I have created the Sabbath for man and not man for the Sabbath, it means that we're not really free to do all the things that we want to do because we're not God. And he's saying, I'm doing this for your good. I'm doing this for you to take a break from your daily activities. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But all I'm asking you for is just this one day of rest, one day where you can give me praise and thank me for all the good things that I have done, been doing for you, and will do. If you obey me, you will live a long life and you'll be very prosperous. So I grasp onto those mm-hmm. promises, and, and I truly believe that if um, more people would hold on to those, you know, those those um, those commands of God, then their life will take on a whole new perspective. And uh, you know, I I feel like I have, and I'm enjoying that to this day. Well, the first one is I have the book in front of me, everybody. Ah. Um, <laughs> the habit of praying without ceasing is the very yes. first habit, right? And that's yes. interesting. And the one that I'm, it's in my fan, I got it over here. I, you see, so I give away the old books. This one I did not give away. This one I kept. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I, usually, I usually, after I'm done reading them and reviewing them, I go like, all right, I have another one. No, this one I've been keeping because I refer oh. back to it. But the, the mm-hmm. one habit, the, the first, the second habit really got, gets me. Besides praying without ceasing, the habit of loving without condition—that is a tough one for a lot of people. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, um, praying without ceasing really kind of tone for every other success principle, because without communicating with um, God, the source, the Creator, every chance we get. We're basically floating in this big planet on our own. And um, when we pray, it doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be, 
where others, in fact, we're encouraged to do it quietly, where God knows us personally. It says man looks on the outward appearance. So if you see people praying in public, you might think they're crazy. It says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So even when we pray quietly, he knows. He knows these things as long as we're connected with him. And because we are told that the Holy Spirit lives within us, is indwelling, we have a godly presence that's with us all the time. So if we make time for God all the time, guess what? He's going to, you know, he always has an ear for us. And that's why when people say, oh, you know, I have a testimony, I've had this prayer answered, and things like that, it's because they believe in prayer, and they have, they're doing it successfully and as often as they can because the Holy Spirit takes our messages to God and it helps us with our supplication. So this is one of the reasons why I really, um, you know, encourage others to pray often as much as they can, even quietly while you're, while you're doing, you know, simple things, you know, um, cause he's, he's with you all the time. If his Holy Spirit is indwelling within you, then, you know, I say to others, I say, figure it out. So we're being judged right now, and it's just amazing to know that God is looking down on us and pays such close attention. I finally attention. found the right oh. question, too. I, yeah. I don't believe it. I just, I, no, I finally found the right. <laughs> I had two sets of questions. Okay, here we go. Now, how do we develop the confidence insurance that will be successful in, in this in this particular endeavor? How do we know that? Because, you know, prayers manifest themselves. You might not get answers to your prayers as soon as you finish praying, but you can see them manifesting. i give you an example. I mean, as you know, you know, my wife is from Pakistan, and yeah. I've been praying for a breakthrough, so to speak, for the longest time, not just in financial living, which God has answered every prayer when it came to that, because I realized I needed more time to make some things happen, and he's given that to me. He's given me the perfect opportunity to make money and be able to afford, have afforded to see my wife every year for the times that we're waiting mm. these five years and, you know, just never make any excuses as to not being able to travel, you know, whether to Dubai or Pakistan, to, you know, hang out with her and keep that time fresh. But... You see, you see, when it happens, you get the thing. It says, God will give you the desires of your heart. So when you're faithful to him and you see things manifesting, it might not be a verbal confirmation, but when it, you see things happening, like you're getting better circle of friends, you're having more time, you're, you're finding people who enjoy talking more about spiritual things, you know, just pray for everything. You pray for a good wife, a good husband, having a great spouse that's connected, one that you can pray with, you can worship with, you can talk about things of God with. Those things create a synergy that is just, like, unbelievable, and it contributes to the happiness in your life. And that is when you, you really know that only God can promote those things, um, happiness you know, uh, your dreams, your prayers being answered, you know, things that, and there's so many promises that, you know, we'll have to definitely talk about sometime that man in himself 
can find the manifestations just by slowing down and paying attention to. Like the Sabbath, slow down and, you know, just really go over the things that God, the goodness that God has given mm. you apart from daily living. And you'll, you'll be thanking him even more often because he gives us several reasons to do that during the week. It's, it's, I'll give you a quick, quick example. Like, you know, we say prayers even before we start to drive our cars. You know, God save me, keep me safe today, keep my family safe while I'm on this road trip. And you'd be amazed at how many people out there um, could get in your way and cause serious accidents that you, sometimes you see just in mm. time and you were saved from that um, horrible situation. And you just say, you know, you just have to, to give thanks right where you are, sometimes very quietly. But, yeah, you can see it manifest because it's the desire of your heart. And that's all I, you know, can really say about that one. I agree with you. Now, this is the hardest one for me. No, seriously. <laughs> Which one? The first I don't, this is probably the hardest one for a lot of people. When someone uh-huh. does something, and I know for a sound, that's really awful and has changed the quality of your life or your life, it's very hard to forgive. The habit of forgiving someone that really won't admit that they did it, never will say they're sorry, ever. So how how do you deal with it? That's the hardest one for me. I mean, I don't say anything bad, and I don't you right. know, say this happened, and I won't because right. that's not who I am. But in my heart, this person has taken my life and changed it in a different direction that it should be. So how do you forgive someone that won't admit that they're wrong and thinks that they did nothing wrong? Even you, know you know what? I don't make, that's a very good question. I don't make it about them. So mm-hmm. if I know that it pleases God to ask for forgiveness, if mm-hmm. that person chooses to spit on you instead, it's okay. You did what pleased God. It, it doesn't have to please that person because, you know, we have learned that man was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So we can't expect people to just, operate on their goodness because their goodness, the Bible tells us, our goodness is as filthy rags. So sometimes we set our expectations too high up another. And that person might have been raised in an environment that has been anything but forgiving. They might have experienced a lot of pain in their upbringing. Um, and so it's, they might not even know the meaning of the word friend. So if they have done us wrong or we have done them um, even an ounce of wrong, it really should be up to us to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this because I know it will please God. So if we're always about pleasing him and not somebody else, because you know how difficult that can be, yeah. is it's now the choices on that person to accept your apology, if they wanted to or not. But we're not going to hold them in our heart. We're going to feel wonderful because we even prayed for the words to use before we went to ask for forgiveness or ask for that apology. And once it pleases God, once we're, we know that it did, then we're okay with that. We're okay with that. And, and that's all that really matters. So that person might want to stay brazen and hard and, Say well, you know, I, you know, I, I don't, 
I, I don't accept your apology. Say, well, I'm really sorry to hear that, but it's the best that I can do. And you leave it alone. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just amazing the way the Bible provides mm. um, instructions. In, in, in a chapter in the, old, in the New Testament, it says that if you have a, a brother or a friend or someone who insists on doing, living in the way of their evil, and you have brought them before God, let's say you've brought them before the church, you've brought them before others to really help get that person, and they refuse, the Bible said don't even break bread with that person. So we don't have to feel guilty about someone rejecting us. They rejected mm. Christ. That's what, look at what look at what 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 we did with him on the cross. So if they could do that to Christ Himself, imagine how much more that one man could do to another here on 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 the planet. So that's what makes it so difficult, and we have to just stop trying to yeah. you know have everybody accept the goodness in us because. Only God is that good, and if we can, if He accepts us, then man has a choice to either accept it or reject it. And we are instructed mm-hmm. that if he rejects it, don't even break bread with that person. So, you know, I look at those scriptures and I said, "Wow, this has really just released me from a tremendous burden," because I was more concerned about how that person felt about my apology then rather how much did that please God that I mustered up the nerve enough mm. to do by his direction. Yeah. Now, the other one is, and this is really interesting, is, is um, number habit number four. I don't think growing up I ever used a bad word ever, ever. No profanity ever. And teens today, whatever, how do we stop that? How do they we understand that profanity does not free speech and explain why this is important, that teens need to change the way they speak and people in general? Right. You know, it's, it's, it's really a shame that, you know, we have amazing books like the Saras, the, 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 the we have the dictionary, we have all these other references that have amazing, amazing words, different ways you can change them around. But yet, even the most educated refer back to profanity, you know, and profanity-free um, speech is so refreshing to the ear when you can talk to someone who doesn't use so many um, distracting explicatives to, dis- to describe the way they feel or the way they're talking about something. It just, it's just really, it's disgusting, really, because I could never... Imagine having a conversation with Christ <laughs> and even thinking about using, um, you know, high levels of profanity. It, it, it distorts the communication process with him. It distorts, it, it really reduces and sometimes obliterates, you know, just the impact of our prayers. Could you imagine going to God and talking a certain a certain way and expecting him to how does the Holy Spirit even present that to God unless we are repentant and asking for forgiveness if he knows the very thoughts in our mind 
that's how much cleaning up we have to do of ourselves. Because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So he knows what we're thinking even before we think it. He knows what we're doing even before we do it. Mm. So it's up to us now to have the Holy Spirit help us with, you know, just a daily appraisal of, of the thoughts, of the words that might be coming out of our mouths, and thinking of the best way to present them. You know, and, you know, I, I, when I read the Bible and I say, hey, you know, God made this world by speaking to it. Could you imagine trying to create something that doesn't manifest because of the word that that creator chooses to use? And many people forfeit their blessings just from the thoughts and the words that they, they think about and speak. And, you know, unbeknownst to many, this is a big part of what successful Christians do. You will never hear them cursing. You will never hear them reverting back to ex- explicatives, to words that are just too explosive to the ears. They're like a toxic corrosive. And so people who, you know, um, try to honor God by speaking words that he finds value in will tend to draw away from folks who, you know, really live in an environment or in a world where they just, they're just cussing all the time. Maybe they're angry. I, I notice now that it's part of culture, almost like naturally, whether on TV, in the movies, wherever, to refer to, you know, these horrific words. So successful Christians don't curse. You can tell by going around them of profanity-free speech. You can tell just the way they speak with you that they, they don't believe in this, and they're usually people who are very successful. So, you know, that's... Pretty much my claim to fame. It's, it's all in, it's all about God. You know, when I first God. started when I first started to working in a public school <laughs> a million years ago, my first mm-hmm. class probably knew more bad words than I ever heard ever. Mm. And oh yeah, they were they were they're brought up like that in that particular neighborhood. Mm. So I did something wow. that was totally unthinkable, <laughs> and I stopped it. <laughs> I stopped it in awesome. a very unusual way by putting the wow. words on the board and I'm saying to them, is this the proper way to speak to people? Do you know what these words mean? They had no idea. They were just using them. Yeah. I said, well, yeah. number one, they're improper. Number two, you're not going to say them in front of me. Number three, my lessons in life will show you that you're not going to do that ever again. And number four, that's not the way you want to be presented in public when we come out. And they awesome. that, And what's funny, I mean, there were 35 of them. They were the toughest class they ever had in that school ever. They they mm. they they didn't think I was I didn't think I was gonna last five minutes with them. And I was like I'm like five feet tall, and they were ten feet tall. And wow. by the time the, <laughs> the, the first yeah the first month I said, I'm in charge. You want to do this grade over again with this person? Keep going. Wow. I said, as a matter wow. of fact, I think I'll call your parents and give them a list of all the words that you know in vocabulary. It stopped. Oh my God. It, Oh I could gosh. not believe that the respect I got from these kids. They never, ever, ever, ever did that ever again. And yeah. I can tell you now, because some of them are still my students, and, and they're on really? Facebook, and they tell me I was wonderful. <laughs> so they don't, yeah. they don't, you, I said, yeah, you know, you gotta, you got to stand up for what is right. My, my, my parents yeah. never, my grandfather, oh, God, never did anything yeah. wrong ever. You would know she just don't. And I said to them, mm-hmm. you know, I've never known that there were so many difficult words that weren't in the dictionary. So they stopped mm-hmm. using them. Yeah. And, you know, oh, that's awesome. 
Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised at myself, too. I go, you know, parents today, too, I hear it on the street when you're walking. It's like mm-hmm. the parents use the words. No wonder they're going to use them. That's horrible. Yes. Yes. They learn by It's a horrible example to set for, yeah. for your kids, you know. And, uh, I mean, they just don't understand that when you speak into someone's life with, with consistency and it's all negative, it really kills their success progress, and and that is yeah. very unfortunate. You know, just a few words. I'm a, I, I thought about when God spoke to the, you know, to, to the planet. He said, "Let there be light." I mean, let there be light. Four words, and look at look at how amazing. And to think that when we go to heaven, His presence, there's not going to be sun, there's not going to be any moon. Just God's presence is going to light up the whole heaven. It's, it blows me away, just the, the power in those words. And I realize that we who are born in his similitude, we have so much power. I found out that the brain has enough power to light a 25-watt bulb, and that mm. drove me in a frenzy. You mean I have that much power in my brain, and I can process 100,000 thoughts a day, and why should I reverse this? Dumb words like these. It makes you look so ignorant and so unschooled and so ill-mannered yeah. that I don't even know why people, you know, I think it's a, a private subculture and, and acceptance that you, you hit it right on the head. It's acceptance by people who are supposed to be your peers, your examples, your icons. Mm-hmm. They use those words so you know, a generation feels that, hey, you know, it's okay because so-and-so um, is, is comfortable with it. And it's just so wrong. You know, I just wish. Even the songs, you know, a lot of the songs have, you know, these amazing, ugly words. And, you know, it's just, it's just a, a big fix-up that needs to be done. And I'm really hoping that this time and this point in life is really helping to do that and generating more prayers and, and more great thoughts instead of or what is up until you know a short time. You know the one That's expression right. I can't the one expression I can't stand when people use or kids use or parents say you know I've said it to different parents I don't like you know the attitude or whatever even in my own family at times and I'll get the, mm-hmm. the answer everyone does it I said because everyone does it doesn't make you have to do it too because mm-hmm. everyone does it doesn't mean you have to follow the wrong path this is a different family this is a different world we don't do things like that that's not what we do. And, right. and which which brings me to number five, the habit of avoiding evil. Some kids find themselves in bad crowds because they want to be popular. So yeah. it's, it's hard. And with what's going on in this lovely pandemic and all those people that are protesting and acting ridiculous out there and complaining about everything instead of doing the right thing, how do we teach them that that's not the way to be? People don't need to be evil, and this pandemic is caused by, well, whatever caused it, and whoever forgot to tell us about it, you can't help that. So how do we teach them to walk away from evil? Because God doesn't mm-hmm. want evil. No, he, he detests it. You know, the interesting thing about, and I was just saying this to my wife the other day, I said, <clears throat> it's so easy to be attracted to even the evil things that, you know, sometimes take place um, out in the streets and look at you. Have you ever been like driving somewhere and there has been something up ahead of you? It could be a minor accident and three or four lanes 
slow down to the, the become part of it. Some people get so emotional, mm-hmm. they'll come out part of that, you know, picture when it has nothing to do with them. And and you're like, why are we like that? Why are we so attracted to things that could be potentially harmful? You know, you, you see two people fighting viciously, you, you you know, you don't know the extent to which it's gonna go. Call the authorities. Don't come out and try to take things into your own hand because you could deprive yeah. your family of your presence. You could get killed. You could get be, be harmed, you know, and evil just comes in a whole different way of things. And that's why the Bible tells us that if you know someone enjoys hanging out and doing evil things, don't even break bread <laughs> because you too could become involved in a way that could change the course of your life. And, and it, it is, it just makes so much sense. I think because of our sinful nature, uh, friends, we are attracted yeah. to things that we could. And Paul says that very well. He said, "Listen, I don't. Why, why, why do I do the things that I want to get away from? And why do I, why do I do those things?" And do the and not do the things that I'm supposed to do. It's, it's a constant spiritual mm. battle between us and evil. And I, I guess it, it, you know, certain degrees of evil have some level of mystique to it that attracts that element of human nature that we have to consistently prey on. We want to get involved in other circumstances, into people's business, in which we have. No prerogative, no no rights even being involved in because, like the protest you mentioned, I mean, stay at your house. Uh, you see people people rioting at the Capitol, creating destruction. Yeah, that's horrible. That there there is nothing that is not a part of history that you want to be associated with. The safest place for you is in your house. Much more, you go through great expenses to get there. You buy a plane ticket. You wake up early. You want to catch your flight. You rent a car. You do this great expenses to ruin your life. How does that make sense? And so we're warned about those things, and we're warned to stay away. But not everybody reads about them. Not everybody understands the gifts, the direction that is written there for us. So, you know, I, I told my wife, I said, don't think of me as heartless. Don't think of me as... You know, not mindful of the evil of the head that traffic backed up. I'm not curious enough to get out of our car to go and investigate. There's nothing me looking on can do to improve that. All I can do is pray for those people and leave it to God and keep moving because it could impact our family in such a way that just this one little moment in life could change the history of our lives. Was the truth because people got killed that day in the, yeah. the capital thing, and no, but some of these people just do it to be part of a group. Oh, I did this. I'm so proud of myself. I did that. Don't be so proud of yourself. Look in your look in the mirror and see who you really are. I mean, seriously. Exactly. I mean exactly. that that that's 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 the point. I mean, I try to teach that to my students. I think I did a pretty good job. When you do the wrong mm-hmm. thing. Face it, and then think about what you're going to do the next time when you don't do that. And think about exactly. the fact that sometimes you have to say you're sorry, and that's okay too. It doesn't make you weak to say that you're sorry. It means that exactly. I finally realized that maybe I have to go a different path. And let me tell you, there's a lot of different paths that I had to take. Exactly. 
Now, the, the next one is habit number six. This is hard. How do you become humble in character? Explain it, and how do you build humility? And how does what would happen if everyone was peaceful and not fought? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes. Um, you know, is is praying for the the power to develop a different mindset, um, to be humble. Just because someone might be trying to embarrass you, uh, it's easy to watch self elevate to the forefront of that situation. And, you know, one thing I learned is that fire needs three elements to burn. I'm no fireman now, but, you know, I've learned from my military experience aboard ship that if, if oxygen is not present, if the elements like wood or, or different elements by which a fire could burn is not present, and, you know, you start taking away the elements that make it burn, it will mm-hmm. eventually die. And that is what different things like foam can do. It, it covers the flame so it takes away the oxygen, the things it needs to burn. And I look at the same way when it comes to developing a humble character, not, not one that, that makes you a coward, but it puts you in a position to be non-con- non-confrontational, all the time. You, 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 you notice there's some people who just, they, they just have a spirit of confrontation at the forefront of their, of their persona. One word could light them up like the 4th of July, and you're like, oh, my gosh, people really live like this, you know? And so when I think about that, I realize that our minds could be so involved in the complexity of chaos that's created by you know, um, confrontations that could stop you from being humble. So it's, it's, it's really evaluating your, your behavior at that time and overcoming it to say, how can I be more about conflict resolution? How can I display a character that pleases God? I remember when Jesus was being accused um, at the time uh, and, you know, he was thrown in, in, in prison and all these horrible things were happening to him. And the choice came where, you know, um, he, the, the people were told that they could have this robber. They were comparing him to this thief that they said, why don't you, you guys, they, they, they choose to have Christ punished over this guy and, in all that, he said nothing. He, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't try to defend himself. He was non-confrontational. But look at what he's accomplished through, what, through that non-confrontation. And, you know, I look at amazing examples like those. I look at, you know, different, different examples in the Bible, like um, when Joseph was thrown into the dungeon because... You know, his, his, his master's wife had falsely accused him of um, coming on to her. And this man did not listen to his reason. He just took his, words, his wife's words and threw this kid in jail. And he did not try to defend himself. He just committed to prayer, committed to prayer. And God delivered him. And, and you know, I look at stories like that. Had he tried to prove his innocence against a an impossible situation because 
you know, this man was not going to believe him over his wife? Of course not. So he decided, look, let me leave things to God. And God took him out of there and made him ruler of Egypt. And, and so I look at examples like those is being humble, but in the sight of God, you're a hero because it means that your strength is reliant upon the power of God, not what man thinks, not for you just to save face. It's okay to just walk like that song. I don't know if you remember that. I think it was Kenny Rogers. He made that song. Is walk mm-hmm. away from trouble when you can. You know, and I, I look at that and I said, wow. Even even you have people here on earth who are very humble and have gone enough to give advice in in his music to say, you know, walk away from and that song has always resonated with me. It's always great with me because there's, sorry, there's so much power in that. And people don't realize how much of your power you preserve when you're mm. just, you know, a humble personality. And your brain now, you can think of the positive things to do without this person infecting your, your mindset. So it's wow. it's all a part of the prayer the prayer package because the holy the indwelling Holy Spirit helps you to accomplish these things. So no matter how riotous, no matter how you know mm. uh, somebody's very um, loud and, and always seeking attention, you walk away from people like this because they tend to attract a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> and so these are the things that I know has helped to develop the characters of people in home. They're the first ones to tell you, no, you know, let's, let's go this way or let's go that way. Let's avoid that situation. You don't need to be a part of that. You know, when Christ was going to be confronting with an angry mob, he went the other way. He sidestepped all that nonsense and kept on his father's business. So if we do, if we follow those footsteps and do the same things that Christ did when He was here, it makes us better qualified and better, um, you know, citizens for a sinless society. So we have, we have the opportunity and we have the time now to practice those things, mm-hmm. and we, we see about business because those our situation here is 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 going to be changing very soon, and it could either be a welcoming time or a very frightening time for many. There won't be any sin there. No drama in heaven. <laughs> None of the things. No no coronavirus. Nothing is gonna be mm-hmm. up here. So we have to we have to really start, you know, planning for that future to live with Christ. And if we can't imagine him cursing, if we can't imagine him getting upset drinking a, a, a bottle of beer or having a, a, a liquor by the fireside, well, it, it's because it, it's not going to be taking place up there. And we have to, if we can practice now, it'll make our transitions a whole lot more welcoming when the time comes. Mm. Before I forget, okay, Monday, Mark Sass will be here with a diamond for her. He bought his wife a baseball diamond in the whole stadium. On the 15th, the author of The Deadening. On the 19th, I am totally honored. New York Times author Daniel Palmer, Michael Palmer's son, will be talking about the perfect daughter. And he doesn't do interviews with everyone. I am totally honored. On the 21st, the author of Hit and Miss. 
Yeah, on the 26th, the authors of Condition Black, and on the 28th, um, uh, Becky Pavone will talk about her life and her attachment to her cat. It's an interesting story. Now, I'm going to add this one in because I watch the news a lot, and I learned when Mm -hmm. I started to work, teach a long time ago, that rather than say something or get upset, before I would do any kind of discipline, I would count to ten and think about what I was going to say. And mm-hmm. I would say, you know what, mm-hmm. that works better because I never had a, I didn't, yelling gets you nowhere and it gets you a sore throat. It doesn't help. You never but if you speak very quietly and they can really <laughs> hear you and you whisper, yeah. they want to know what you're saying and they don't know what you're saying if you say it in a very interesting tone. So with mm-hmm. what's going on in the news today, it bothers me. And I just, I was yep. looking through the book. What is God's feeling about prejudice? Of course, I don't. I think everybody is the same. And I have a shirt that says, "We're all the we we are unique on the outside, but we're the same on the inside." And I wear it a lot. Mm-hmm. And yes. what does God say about prejudice? Before we talk about, we have um, a few minutes left to talk about fasting. But that to me is important because these hate crimes and these um, things against black people or Asian people or anybody. Is wrong. Yes. That, yes. There, there, there's no reason for that. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, we have to keep in mind if if we look at the thing, if we look at the fact that God created the human race, <laughs> it, it's it's a it's a broader um, perspective to take, and then we really start to begin that. You know, folks of different ethnic backgrounds didn't just show up on the planet by themselves. Yeah. And God created everything and everyone that we uh, have the gift to look at. In fact, there's a story in the Bible that talked about um, his servant Lot. Lot um, one day went to church in the temple, as you know it was referred to, and it was told that Lot and... um, you know, the the wife of Moses, I mean, Lot was was talking about the wife of Moses. And Moses had married a, a Cushite woman, which was a woman of a different skin color, one that obviously, um, so prejudice is, is happening from a long time ago. And they started to really talk about her in a way that was displeasing to God. Mm. And, of, and in of all places, they were doing this in the church. Mm. I think I, I might have read something. I might have written something about that in that chapter where you did, you did. It, it displeased God so much, friend, that He showed up in a cloud, and <laughs> He called them outside. He called them outside the church. He called them to come outside. He said, "Come, come out here." And in the clouds, he, 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 in his, his presence was there. He told them, he counseled them right there. He said, you guys know you're wrong. And to be criticizing this woman of God, this woman who I have chosen to be the wife of my servant Moses, whom I speak with mouth to mouth. You understand? This is how much he loved Moses, and you guys have the audacity, the nerve to be talking about someone who you had no power to create. 
Um, it, it just pleased God so much that he took off in a rage. Yes, God gets upset. He took off in a rage. And when he left, it turned out that the woman um, who Aaron was there uh, talking or, or describing, you know, uh, Lot's wife about was turned leprous. Leprous. I believe it was Miriam. She she became leprous. And the irony of the story is that um, Lot did not have the power. Even if, if he did before, mm. he lost it all right there. He could not remove the leprosy from this woman. So it just goes to show you that even if we are a part or an accomplice of something that displeases God, we are going to lose our perspective and we're going to lose our power. So they had to go to Moses, Moses, to pray for um, Miriam's release from leprosy. And God, as God had it, the leprosy stood with her for seven days. Seven days, I guess, to teach her a lesson. God was a God of sevens. And here comes back to mm. the Sabbath concept again. Seven days, <laughs> she had this thing hanging on her. And, and lepro- leprosy is a skin debilitating disease. I read yeah. up on that. It, it's nasty stuff. It, it, is, it is ugly. And had Moses not prayed for this lady, she would have been leprous for however long God wanted her to live. And um, it's ironic in a way that, you know, it it, it just shows how how much personal attention God pays to everything Mm. that's on this planet, everyone, every word that takes place. So... If, if, if God hates prejudice, because when man look at, when you see someone taking out revenge on someone he had no power to create, it shows you how ignorant and how sin-steeped that person had become and how absent God was or God is in that person's life. Because if they knew who God was, and even his purpose for our creation, they would never even thought that. The devil used these people to fulfill vicious purposes, and this should be a highlight to others that it, mm-hmm. it doesn't pay to serve the devil. He's all about destruction and hate. And if we do that, we are going to disobey the laws of the land, even though the Bible says obey the laws of the land. That is why so many people get in trouble, because they disrespect to the point where they start to create harm, mm. and God detests that. So this is why it is wrong, friend, um, the whole prejudicial thinking yeah. piece. These are people who are not godly, and even if they say, well, you know, they're going to go beat up on some people, but they're going to go to church, they might as well have stayed home, seriously, because bad things could happen to good people while they're on their way to church because of the things that they've done. Yeah, I know. I know. You can ask God forgiveness anywhere you are and prolong your life. But unfortunately, you know, we live in a sin-infected world, and it's up to us who know different to actually do differently. So, you know, if, if, and that happened very early in the Bible. I think it was in Exodus somewhere. 
that all that took place. And um, it's just amazing to know that God showed his true feeling um, about that at that point in time when it happened, um, you know, with, with Moses and Aaron and Miriam. It was just, it was, I, I had to read that story many times to really understand, you know, you know God's take on, on prejudice and, and, and people who, 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 who actually indulge in that. And in of all places, some place where they felt most comfortable, where? In the church, in the temple. <laughs> They're lucky God didn't strike them dead or barbecue them when he called them out of the church. But I guess no one else would understand why he did. So in his mercy, he didn't destroy mm-hmm. them because others had to understand, you know, verbally, I guess. Well, the sentence oh, yeah. on page 100 says it all. I got the book in front of me. It uh-huh. says, erasing prejudicial thinking and actions can only be achieved by living in total harmony, living in total obedience to God, and by developing and directed, directing those repulsive thoughts and behavior towards Satan and says who is symbolic of and enjoys doing evil. You couldn't have said it any better than that. That that that, that, is, that is that is that is perfect. I just told I told you the book is in front of me. Now we have one more. <laughs> um, yeah, we have one more habit. We have a few minutes left. Um, yes. The hardest one, I think, is fasting. There are okay. different types of fasting. Yeah, I know. On Yom Kippur, I do it, you know, 26 hours, and I go like, oh, my God, how am I going to get through this? But you do. Because <laughs> you do other yes. things. You walk, you talk, you read. Um, there's a lot of things you can't do. But <laughs> why is that? That's an important one. That's the last one. And there are different types of fasting. How come? Yes, because... Um, you know, they're spiritual fasts, and they're fasts that people make up and do that is not biblical. You know, fasting is really meant to be a time of um, non-obstructive communication with God. You know, in, in many fasts, no food is involved, no perfumes, you know, no putting on a, a false face. Things like that don't impress God. What impresses him is deep, is deep and you know um, sincere communication with him. That's what it's meant for, mm. and to show its importance. When you, when, when, if someone were to look at the, some of the biblical references that I have here, there was one time in particular when the disciples were with him, and this little boy had a demonic attack. And um, the disciples tried to cast this demon out of the boy's body, and they couldn't. I mean, they tried and tried and tried, and this demon would not leave this boy alone. So they went to Jesus and said, Master, how come is it that we were Hmm. unable to cast a demon out of this child? And he looked at them and said, listen, some prayers can only be answered when combined with fasting. So unless you are sincere, very, very intentional in your obedience to God and his direction, you won't have the power to cast even your rod into the ocean and catch a fish, okay? Mm. You have to be that serious in connection. And, And as a matter of fact, even in mm. marriage, the, the Bible tells us that the only time 
that a husband and a wife should be apart is during times of fasting. Mm. It, 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 it blew my mind. And, and these are the things that, you know, my wife and I talk about. I said, we're going to be the best of friends. We're gonna, when people see you, they see me, and vice versa. I said, because according to the Bible, the only time you are allowed to sleep in the other room, <laughs> it's not because I'm in the doghouse or something I did earlier, you know, but it, it, it has to be for a biblical reason. It says the only time is when you are fat. So you can have individual fast in your family mm. structure because your, your prayer time and your prayer life with God is not just community-based but it also is a very personal experience for the prayers that you want to manifest. So it's a great way to have, you, you had asked earlier about your prayers answered, and I'm glad we, 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 um, we're on this point now. The only way, friends, for some prayers to be answered is if they are combined with fasting. And that is so key to know, you know, because some people have been praying and praying and praying, and they're like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere with this. My wife and I, we started our um, relationship with a three-day fast. Oh, I wow. Said we're, from, we're from a different culture. Um, you know, although we're Christians globally, it's certain beliefs that you might adopt or have adopted from a previous culture or an existing culture. I said, we really have to, to get together on a level where God is orchestrating every move of this relationship, and we decided to do a three-day fast. And I'm telling you, it was the best thing that we could have ever done. We we started to listen more to each other. We were spending more time online. We would have virt- we would have virtual dating because it's not like you can say, oh, let's go out to dinner tonight from 8,000 yeah. miles away. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. And so we were always in the Bible a lot. And that was the main thing that kept us together. So people who were against us, they would discourage her and tell her, oh, he's not going to come here. It's too far away. And all the negative things you could think of, she's heard them. And we said, the devil is at work here. Let's fast him out. And we started, and I'm telling you, we became the the friends. She said, why aren't you going out with so-and-so and so-and-so? I said, Need you ask. I'm spending all the time with you. I don't need to, you know. And it was just beautiful to see how those prayers manifested over time. And mm. we've had different instances where we fasted for people who were in the hospitals, people who, you know, were on their way out and made it to the end of no return, and actually God pulled them back. So fasting, I can tell you, works. At first, it's hard to go like three days just drinking water or yeah. whatever. But when you, when you get to a certain point, friend, and, you know, the spirit takes over, you look forward to the next prayer. You look forward to the next devotion. And it just keeps you hungry for the word. And then you watch for the desires of your heart to manifest. I know prayer like the way it did in ours. And God has provided for me every year. We're in. We're either in Dubai. We hung out for 30 days sometimes. This last mm. time I was in Pakistan. I was there for three months, as you know. And yeah, I know. I saw it on God. Facebook. Yeah, only only God. Oh, I can only say it's, it's only God. And 
I'm writing a new book now. Oh, that's where, what I was going to ask you before we go. What are you writing? Yeah, I'm writing a book on, um, you know, God's provisions in the Bible about financial um, success, financial breakthrough. Oh, good. That, that's and, important. Yeah. Yes, Definitely. yes, yes. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what my morning devotions have discovered about that. And I'm telling mm. you, that God is awesome. <laughs> because well, I haven't been to work in 12 years, friends, 12 years. Mm. Do you hear me? And um, I don't worry about what we're going to eat or drink or, or anything. He provides in ways that are just miraculous indeed. So in my new book, you know, maybe we can do an excerpt on that. Um, one yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to reading that because I think a lot of people – judge people by how much money they have or what I can get or they don't appreciate the fact I mean I've always worked for everything I have my parents didn't Mm -hmm. pay for my education I did I paid for everything myself and I think that was was a much better way because then I worked I worked hard but I felt like I earned it on my own and I don't have to turn around and say you did this for me and my father offered to pay for my college he did he said I'll send you anywhere you want to go I said I'm going to go to Hunter College in the Bronx, I'm going to get the best education, and I'm going to pay uh-huh. for myself. And he looked Amen. at me, and he said, and he could afford to pay for a lot more than that. And I go, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own, because then I'll feel like I achieved it on my own. Yeah. And that's what kids need yeah. to know. But before yeah. we end, everybody, you need to get the book. It's on my it's on my head, Everlasting Benefits of Obedience by Michael yeah. A. Jones, and all of his other books are on Facebook. And thank you so much. I feel better now, by the way. <laughs> I oh, feel thank better you. now. Thank you. Yes, I and all those books now. are on Amazon. They're on Amazon as well. And, you know, I just hope everybody goes out and gets them, just to even give them as gifts because, um, you know, this next one coming up is truly an amazing blessing um, for me and my family. And I've had five family members that caught the COVID, and they all yeah, came mine too. Yeah, see what I mean? So, you know, we have so much to be grateful for. And these people, they don't even know that we're praying for them. And these are the prayers, intercessory prayers for others that can be so beneficial without people even knowing why they're mending, why things are happening on such a grand level. And, you know, I just give thanks to God for all of these these happenings. But I want to thank you so much for connecting with me and um, having me share, you know, some of these thoughts with you. But I'm looking forward to the next book because I know during these times people are praying for financial breakthroughs long term. Yeah, I know. Believe me, friends, all the remedy is in the Bible. <laughs> Wait till I share the book. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. And Michael, stay yes. safe, and Avila, stay safe, and maybe next time she'll come on and say hi, too. And we could yes, all talk, talk together. That would be great. Everybody, yes. it's a beautiful day. Uh, everybody think positive thoughts. And before I hang up, I always say, when you walk out, please, one small ask, please protect yourself, wear a mask, because I do, and I protect you, too. Everybody stay yes. safe, and Amen. have a great day, and bye. Thank you. Yes, bye-bye. Thank you.